you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I feel like if you actually really listen to Rachel's anthem, we can just skip the sermon and go home. Uh, it, this mystery of a God who is both uh, majestic and meek, one who reigns through offering up their own lives, it, it's absurd in Christ's day and absurd now, how is a suffering, dying God uh, the ruler of the universe? You know, scholars uh, get really deep on minutia things. Jan Colbert talked about when she wrote her dissertation, she knew more than anybody in the world about this one little piece of accounting at that point. Biblical scholars do the same thing. We, we, we study these little things in details, and yet at the end, maybe the, the most tough pill to swallow is there's a great mystery to our God. And uh, wisdom literature doesn't shy away from mystery like other parts of the Bible do. Our historical books and our gospels try to, to get at solving some of the mysteries. And the wisdom literature just says, live in it. Um, we, we started a while back in the book of Song of Solomon and got this picture of, of God who desperately loves humanity and desires us to love him in the same way, this, uh, this kind of indescribable love. We turned... Uh, to the book of Proverbs to begin asking, what is, what is the theological truth there for us? And it's that uh, God reveals himself to us. We, we find wisdom uh, when we begin to have this all-filled reverence of, for, for God and, and we combine what we know through our, our knowledge with our experience in life and God's revelation as well as, well as Betty Hornback's common sense. These, these uh, things that come together to help us understand the world and to understand God. We jumped into the story of uh, the virtuous woman from Proverbs and and began to ask the question about uh, what is the the truth there? And the truth there is that how we live reflects who our God is. That a life that is uh, industrious and and makes good use of time, a life that cares about others and that uh, brings good in every situation is, is the desire of this God who loves us so. And those were the fun and easy uh, wisdom literature pieces to, to kind of live into. And then we turn to the book of Job, where uh, the, the light and life has been at times hard to find. In the first week, we looked at how Job had basically lost everything but his wife. He had lost his uh, kids and his animals, his crops and everything, and, and how he blamed God. And yet, uh, we see from the narrative that it's the adversary. And so we leave with this, this mystery of God doesn't cause our suffering, but he also doesn't always stop our suffering. And we, have to let, we, we had to leave with that uncomfortable truth. We came the next weekend, and, and we see that Job can't seem to find God. He looks around, and if I could just find God, I could tell him why he's wrong. He's got the wrong dude. I am righteous, I am virtuous, and he is causing, causing my suffering. He and his friends do as friends do, and they keep talking back and forth and working each other up. Have any of you ever sat down with three friends and you've kind of gotten worked up into a tizzy? 
I think more people should nod their heads. I know, maybe it's just me, but you get together with your friends and you work each other up and you're ready to go fight the good fight. Well, his friends were trying to tell him, no, you're, you're messed up, man. You're this, you're this wretched sinner and God absolutely should punish you. And he's like, no, God, God is fallible. God is wrong. If I could just find him and tell him, he would understand. And we left with this mystery of, of God has never left us and God is always available to us, but in our suffering, he can often feel so far away. It's as if he wasn't there, as if he isn't to be found. And we left going, it's a mystery as to why we sometimes can't feel God's presence, even though we know that he has never left us and never forsaken us, that he has given us the spirit to, to uh, tend to our heart and to comfort us and to counsel us. And then we come to today's text in Job. From last week's text to this week's text, uh, his friends and he have been doing the same thing. Job, search your heart. You know you're sinful. This is a powerful God. He never gets things wrong. Get your life together. Just go ahead and admit your sins. And Job doubles down on, if I could just talk to him. And then finally the text says, God appeared in a whirlwind to him and said, who are you that you think you've got this figured out? Prepare yourself like a man. I hate gendered language in the Bible because often uh, it, it goes against the stereotype. This word for man uh, is not about gender. It's about being a warrior. This is the language used for uh, people going out into battle. Prepare yourself. Get your armor ready because we're getting ready to have a conversation, Job. And then he completely ignores what Job wants to talk about. Doesn't begin to address Job's suffering. Doesn't begin to talk about the nature and source of evil. Uh, and instead goes into, I'm going to ask you some questions. I think I know the answer. And you better answer them. Where were you when I made everything? Can you call upon the clouds to bring down rain? Can you make crops grow up? Can you provide food for the lions and, and stay from being injured? Can you? Do you even understand who I am and how I am and what I'm about? The whole next chapter is the same stuff. For two chapters, God asks these questions to, to reframe the whole discussion from uh, Job being right or wrong about uh, God's causing suffering. He I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand for next week. Job never gets an answer that is not God, God that causes his suffering. We get the picture that it's the adversary, but he never gets that solved. Instead, he gets reframed to, do you understand the grandeur of me as God? Do you understand that uh, I hold everything together and you might not understand it? What a tough pill to swallow. It's tough for us when we have like a bad week sometimes to understand how God can let things happen, right? But, but for Job, who's now 38 chapters into dealing with literally the loss of everything in his life, for God to not even address his primary critique, which is, I am righteous and this shouldn't be happening, and instead to say, you need to understand who and how I am. I asked Rachel and uh, Janelle before service if I had to preach like my normal length of time or if I could just make this a really short sermon today. And they, they have promised me you will not get mad if I wrap this thing up and, and uh, do it with brevity. 
Is that true, Marilyn? Okay. The gospel text once again invites us into the same mystery. These uh, men who have been traveling with Jesus now begin to ask the question of, uh, once he goes through what he's going to go through, who gets to sit on his right side and who gets to sit on his left side? Who gets to finally celebrate in the kingdom that Christ is going to be reigning in? Christ rebukes them. You, you don't understand God either. You think this is about uh, going on to this type of glory. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about taking on uh, the suffering of the world. It's about lowering yourself in humility. It's about, uh, in the depths of your suffering, trusting God. See, you disciples don't get this. I'm getting ready to go through something you can't go through. I'm getting ready to do something that you, you aren't ready to handle yet. If you really want to end up on my right or my left, what it's going to mean is you going through, uh, through some humbling of laying down your own interest for the interest of others. You don't understand that the first will become last and the last will become first. You don't understand God. I love that their stories eventually end with all these apostles going through very similar things to what Jesus went through. It takes his death and resurrection and his ascension and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the tradition holds that every one of them went uh, to a martyr's death. That every one of them lowered themselves in humility to, to declare that it wasn't uh, this, this grand divine kingdom, but instead it was the kingdom of earth, or the kingdom coming to earth that they were going to be part of. They gave up their own self-interest. They sought the best for others. The theological truth that becomes mysterious this week is how God can be this transcendent, mighty, powerful God who uh, literally put the world on its foundations, who created the processes and systems that, that sustain our world, who, who uh, is much more like a poet and artist, who's a, a sculptor, who did these miraculous things and, and stands out uh, holding the whole of the cosmos in his hand, be at the same time this transcendent God who literally dwells in my heart and in your heart and in your heart and in your heart. How, how in this grand mystery... Can God be the God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Can reign from on high and yet dwell with us in the midst of our suffering? At times, we can't wrap our minds around it all together, so we try to put uh, God in a little box. And then we often end up disappointed. We want to fix God. We want to go and say, surely you've gotten this wrong. Or, we want to go on the other side and say, God is so big and grand, I can't understand him at all. He's just this thing out there. Who am I that he would even listen to me? And the great mystery is that God can do both. God can be uh, powerful and transcendent and at the same time uh, tender and imminent. And he invites us to sit in the mystery of how that happens and to trust that uh, even when we don't understand, even when there's something happening that we can't uh, fully grasp that, that God is present and God is powerful enough and sufficient enough. 
I really wish the, the end of Job turned out differently. It, he gets his stuff back, and we'll talk about this more next week, but he never gets the real answer, which is that the adversary caused his suffering. And I've sat with so many of you who, who have been through some deep and dark stuff, and we can, we can lean on that first week's promises that, that God did not cause those things in your life. And yet we sit there so often in my office and say, but we don't understand why he doesn't fix this or doesn't fix that. We pray these bold intercessory prayers and say, God, we know that you can and that, and that at times you do. But why? Why not? And I know that's a bitter, mysterious pill to swallow. I don't want to, uh, I think if I had to stretch this sermon out this week, it was going to be trying to sugarcoat it. But I think the truth is our God is so grand that often we don't understand. Our God uh, is with us and oftentimes we miss it. Our God is uh, is majestic and is meek. Friends, may the truth be for us today that God is with us in the midst of the bad that he will uh, sustain us even when we can't recognize it, that he uh, has the whole picture in his head of, of what is going on and yet will draw near to us. And may we remember that he invites us into the very suffering he endured to sit uh, with people and to love them and to serve them with this idea that in the fullness of time all things will be made right, that when Heaven comes back to earth, and when God dwells in the midst of humanity, when there is a time where we worship him in glory, where we live by the tree of life, we will understand. But for now, we have mystery of a God who is both majestic and meek. On the easy days, we can, we can lean on our own faith, and in the hard days, I invite you to lean into the body of Christ. This church uh, who... Uh, collectively has gone through so much and yet who has sustained one another. I've watched as you love one another and care for one another and bear one another up. Would you trust uh, God in these truths that are hard and messy and would you uh, lean into one another to to love and to serve and to care, uh, to model uh, the very uh, humble love that Christ modeled for us? Imagine if we sat in Job's suffering and instead of people trying to fix it or tell you where it was wrong, uh, they sat with you and cried. And so I don't know, but it's, it's not fair and it's really hard. But, but I love you and God loves you and though we, though we don't have the answers now, I, I will be with you. There are times in my life I needed that and didn't get it and there are times in my life that I have absolutely been uh, uplifted by people in the, in the church. And I believe that's the beauty of uh, this church. Every church has its own uh, sort of DNA, right? The thing it's good at. When when y'all go through something, I'm often not the first one who shows up. I'm not the first phone call that happens. I hear that these people have already been by. These people have called to check on me. Friends, as we continue to navigate hard waters in the world, as things continue to not look great, may we... Trust this God 
and may we love one another. May we humble ourselves uh, to, to, to be the very church that Christ has called us to be. Amen.